The news on CJOB with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham. You don't like me, that's fine. You like our results on COVID, that's good. I think the reality is most Manitobans think we're doing a heck of a good job, and that's praise for my colleagues. They've been doing a great job. Our ability to flatten the curve on COVID is because Manitobans are doing the right things, and I say thanks to them. And you don't have to like me for that. I don't really care. What I care about is that we've saved a lot of lives here in Manitoba. We've kept our people safe, and we're on the track to bring our economy back and get our people back working and get our lives back. That's what I'm after. Premier Brian Pallister, his approval rating went up to 47 percent, up four points from February, but only he and Alberta's Jason Kenney received below the majority approval. And Pallister, according to Angus Reid poll out today, he's at the bottom of the list of provincial premiers. And uh, Pallister divides people in so many ways in this province. And let's get two perspectives on this. And we're calling them the pandemic political panel, the three P's. Rob Pankhurst is with us. Renee Cable is with us. Uh, Rob is a public affairs counsel, former staffer to Kelvin Gertson as education and uh, before as health minister. Rene is an account manager, political consultant with the Now Group and a former NDP staffer. And I'm hoping that we get more light than heat in these conversations because I think uh, we we owe it to fellow Manitobans because uh, we've not been through a pandemic uh, in our lifetime. We're going through it right now. So, Rob, let me begin with you. The Premier's approval ratings are at 47%, not bad, but considering other premiers far higher, how do you begin to to explain away that compared to, to other premiers who are at 70 and 80%? Yeah, thanks very much, uh, Richard. Good to be with you. I don't know uh, that I would try to sort of explain it away, uh, but one of the things that I would point to in Manitoba is that I don't think you see historically the kinds of, of swings that you might see in Ontario or in the eastern, uh, uh, in the maritime provinces. So, for example, Blaine uh, Higgs at an 80% approval rating, uh, that's a 40-point uh, swing uh, for Premier Higgs, uh, and you just don't see those kinds of swings in Manitoba. I would point out that Brian Pallister's historical high was only 53%, so not significantly different from where he is today, and that was in September of 2016. So I'll leave it there. Renee? Uh, I'm not super surprised. Um, thanks for having me, by the way. Uh, really great to be here. Um, I'm not super surprised. I don't think that he's given people a lot to be excited about. Um, you know, it was uh, trying to keep it light, but but coming into this, we were already facing some challenges in terms of where we were at in the healthcare system, and I think um, that there wasn't there hasn't been a lot that's happened since then to get people really excited about the kind of leadership that's happened during this. Renee, I'll ask you in, in just a moment what your advice would be. But, Rob, if, if you had the ear of the Premier's people, and, and after speaking with some of my friend group, they don't necessarily disagree with what he's doing. It's that it's that tone, that tone like kind of condescending, telling me what I should think or do, and, and that he doesn't care um, if he's popular. At, would you tell his people to soften the tone? You know, I, I think um, Premier Pallister is a, a premier that wants to be judged on his results and, and, and cares more than anything about the kinds of results that he's going to deliver uh, to Manitobans. And uh, he's going to 
execute the kinds of uh, plans and interventions that he he thinks are going to best serve Manitobans, and and he'll sort of be judged that way. I I think that those around the Premier uh, have offered that uh, advice uh, from time to time, but everyone knows that Brian Pollister is a man who marches uh, to the beat of his own drum, and he does that uh, with a view, I think, in my experience, always to making sure that he puts Manitobans first. Renee, do you think that's what's maybe holding him back? Is that that people just don't care? The the message might be okay. It's how it's delivered that they don't care for it. I think there's a piece of that. I think that uh, he has a, a big challenge in meeting people where they're at. I also um, I feel like there is a, sometimes folks will question the motivation. Um, a lot of the the policy outcomes or or, or the things that we see as directives are not necessarily focused on families or on uh, kind of kitchen table politics. And I think that um, when when you put economics and economic drivers and debt and deficit uh, into the conversation as opposed to what's happening at home, like in our in our case, I am worried about the childcare situation and, and kids going back to school. I think that there's a disconnect and it's very difficult for people to, uh, it doesn't reinforce trust. And it's difficult for people to really connect with what he's saying. And, and Renee, the reality is when you go on and the stories come out about uh, public sector employees being laid off, uh, uh, this is a government town. And frankly, if uh, you're a government worker and you're hearing on on CJOB that you're going to be facing a layoff in a pandemic and maybe your spouse is already off their job, that's not a route to popularity, is it? Sure isn't. And it, I mean, I would go further to say that uh, we've seen business leaders come out and stand against that as well. Sandy Riley talking about uh, keeping the, uh, the economy going. And it's not just the, the public sector workers. It's the, the families that rely on those services. Um, and it's it's the stability in general that people, are, I think, uh, are really looking for a sense of stability and what might come next and what the future might look like. And talking about layoffs and talking about job loss. It's certainly not a way to make people feel as though they're they're safe in their place. Rob, the fact that for the most part in the last month, this has been more of an economic story than a health story in Manitoba, as opposed to Ontario and Quebec, where it's been really more of a health care story than an economic story. That makes a difference, doesn't it? You know, it, it does make a difference. And uh, I, I think that one of the things... Uh, that we should highlight in this discussion around sort of the politics of the pandemic is that one of the consequences is uh, of COVID-19 is that I think it's brought to light things that otherwise might not have been brought to light in the healthcare system. So in Ontario, the horrific situation in uh, personal care homes is now receiving the attention, uh, the attention, Richard, that it should have a long time ago. And that is one of the uh, sort of aforementioned consequences uh, of COVID that I think, although it's, it's horrific for uh, the families uh, in Ontario that are at those centres. I think it's, it's bringing the kind of attention that politicians of any political stripe need to focus uh, on. Renee, we've, we've said this pretty much to all of our guests. There certainly is no, no handbook for the pandemic. So 
how do we really judge a politician on on how they're doing? I mean, they they survey a few people and, you know, 47 out of 100 say, yeah, he's doing a good job. Um, but you don't know if you're catching that person on a good day. So how do we really judge our government on how it's doing, especially in a time like this? I think that's a really good question. And I think, um, as Rob alluded to, the the situation is different from province to province. So the markers might be different from province to province. You know, we we're very lucky here um, that that the uh, the spread of the virus, the Manitobans did their part and they stayed inside, and that we were able to kind of uh, curb this. Um, but it, I think the people will be judged on their compassion at the end of the day, and we see like in uh, with in New Zealand, uh, high high leadership numbers. We even see Rob Ford, who traditionally didn't have that high numbers going in, really see a bump because they signaled compassion and understanding and a real desire to make uh, life as good as it could be in this terrible situation. Um, And I have to say, I appreciate Rob um, bringing up the long-term care situation because I think it is one one thing that will come out of this that will be hopefully – uh, that we can see in a positive light and that we can make changes in those places. But also, I'm hoping that uh, that social safety net is improved on all fronts now that we see where the holes are. Rob, what should people look for when it comes to effective leadership, whether it is on the government side or on the opposition side, so that they can make decisions for themselves on, on who is doing a good job? Yeah, you know, uh, from my perspective, I think that the primary uh, duty of the political arm of government, and as uh, Richard said earlier, there is no handbook for this kind of scenario, but frankly is to is to get out of the way and to let the public health officials uh, disseminate the kind of advice uh, that they need to do, uh, that they need to implement, rather. And I think it's hard to say uh, whether that kind of advice has been impeded in any province or territory. One would hope that the answer is no, um, but, to, but to get the answers to those questions, you know, I think there's going to have to be a pretty significant postmortem. But if I were to offer one sort of singular piece of advice for any political actor, whatever uh, stripe and whatever province, I think the primary duty is to, frankly, let the public health officials take over. I think that politics and public health policy intersect when you think about opening the economy and some of the other sort of factors that are imp- impacted by public health measures. But above all else, I think that citizens need to rely on their public health officials and politicians' duty uh, is to reinforce those measures at a time like this. Hey, Rob, Renee, thanks so very much. Now, you guys worked like together but apart at the legislature, right? (laughs) Sure did. That's right. So who bought who coffee? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a good question. Team Orange or Team Blue? Team Orange had some Uh, good coffee. I think we had coffee in each other's offices at one time or another. Ooh. We'll save that. We had after, yeah. No, go ahead, Renee. I was going to say we definitely had a coffee after session. All right. Um, <laughs> nothing in that coffee other than coffee, I'm sure. We'll save that for the next time. The News on CJOB with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham.